Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Welcome to the June 2019 episode of RCV Clips. I'm Chris Hughes, a member of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center team. Today, I'm talking with Thomas Peake, East Hampton, Massachusetts City Councilor. Tom was elected City Councilor in 2017 and is a Senior Research Analyst with the University of Massachusetts, or UMass. Tom ran on a campaign of reforming East Hampton's City Charter with proposals to change term lengths and adopt ranked choice voting for city elections. Both of those charter amendments are going through the state legislature now before they can appear on the November ballot in East Hampton. So we're having Tom on today to talk about his interest in RCV and what happens next in East Hampton. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. So let's start by just talking a bit about East Hampton itself. What's the town like? Um, What drove you to run there? Yeah, so East Hampton is like my favorite place in the world. But it's it's a it's a little community of about sixteen thousand people. Uh, historically, it's been a manufacturing community. We have a bunch of mills um, around town. Most of them are no longer used for manufacturing purposes. We had a a real sort of economic decline in the late twentieth century. Uh, that we've been working really, really hard uh, to sort of uh, pull ourselves out of. Uh, And one step of that uh, in in the mid-90s was uh, to actually incorporate as a city. Uh, So we're one of the smaller cities by population uh, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that actually has, you know, a form of government with a mayor and a city council. Uh, And that makes it an amazing place to serve because, yeah, I represent about about a fifth of the uh, the city's population, but it's great. It's a it's a very uh, vibrant, engaged uh, community. It's very walkable, so people are out on the street a lot, uh, talking to uh, one another and interacting with one another. Uh, there's a, a high voter turnout rates, high levels of volunteerism and civic engagement, um, and so it's you know, it, it's a, it's just a really exciting place to be a city councilor. Definitely a place where I felt confident running on and then pushing for sort of a, a, a reform agenda. Great. So let's draw that out a bit. What drew you to ranked choice voting in the first place? Yeah, ranked choice voting, um, I think I actually first saw it uh, in a uh, in a high school sort of math and stats for civics classes, this sort of weird um, math class that I, I don't imagine was offered everywhere, but I definitely was, uh, was struck by the idea that, that there's more than one way for us to choose uh, our leaders. And then definitely when the 2016 um, 
presidential election, elections, starting with the primaries, but then you know the general election uh, came around. Uh, I found myself, I think like a lot of people, being a little bit um, disenchanted with the process. Uh, in both of the primaries, I felt like there were um, there were uh, candidates that I felt really should be part of uh, maybe even different parties, uh, but I realized that our current system only only allowed for two parties. So that really got me thinking about, is there a better way we could be doing this? And I sort of came back to all of that. And I, I found out that not only is ranked choice voting uh, a way that we could have sort of healthier elections, but uh, it, it's also something that, as it turns out, there were a lot of people uh, in Massachusetts that we're just getting started working on. Uh, and of course, I'm referring to uh, our amazing sort of statewide grassroots organization, Voter Choice Massachusetts. Could you talk a bit about what you think makes ranked choice voting a good fit for East Hampton in particular? Absolutely. So I think to get to that, it, it's probably first good to explain the way that most cities have elections in Massachusetts. And then I could explain what's different about East Hampton. In most Massachusetts cities, there's what they call preliminary elections. So Massachusetts um, local elections are in most places by law, nonpartisan. You go in to vote for mayor and it doesn't have a D or an R or anything next to the name. They're, they're totally nonpartisan elections. So you have all of the candidates running and the top two candidates uh, end up advancing to the general election, uh, you know, which is held in, in November. That system has all sorts of problems in the most recent Boston election, uh, where there was a, not the most recent one, but a couple of elections ago, they ended up having the two mayoral candidates who advanced to, to, the, to the general election both be white men, uh, despite like half a dozen to a dozen candidates of color or, or, or candidates who are women uh, running. And, and, and the two candidates who did end up advancing had less than 40% of the vote between the two of them. So there was this general sense that, well, maybe this isn't great. But East Hampton doesn't even have that. Um, our charter actually has some references to preliminary elections, which we're pretty sure are just typos. But um, we don't do preliminaries. So if we have an election with seven or eight candidates, there's no primaries, there's no preliminaries, there's no runoffs. We're just going into that election and just hoping, right? Because at that point, depending on how the votes are split, anyone could get elected. And, and, and there's always been this sort of concern within the community that a really divisive person who most of the people in the community would not really support could get elected in a sufficiently busy uh, race. That structure also has uh, discouraged uh, people from running because they're worried that in the process they could end up being you know, spoiler candidates, if you will. Um, so for instance, like I, I know East Hampton is a pretty strongly democratic leaning community but there certainly are republicans in the community and i've heard republicans in the community say that they 
they don't feel comfortable with the idea of them or someone like them running for mayor because all that's going to do is allow the most liberal uh, Democrat to win because maybe the more moderate Democrat uh, doesn't get the support of the Republicans in town. So this at least, you know, I mean, it doesn't guarantee anyone a win, but it, it allows people to, to jump into uh, a race. So uh, I think those are the two big things. Is, you know, the first is it would be a shame if somebody got elected with, you know, with, without a majority. And that actually has happened in two mayoral elections in uh, our short uh, time as a city. Uh, the other thing is I think it depresses um, participation in elections. So uh, there's, you know, there was talk for a long time of, well, maybe we should do preliminaries. And, you know, the, the, you know, the, always the response was, well, sure, we could, but it's going to cost all this money to hold an entire other election. And not even that many people are actually going to show up to it. So are the results even, you know, reflective of the community? And, and, and that's sort of always where the conversation had stalled. Uh, so, you know, when I got in and, and we started talking about charter reform, I, I said, well, you know, Ranked choice voting would be a lot cheaper to implement than holding an entire second election, and it would actually accomplish the goals that you're looking for in a better way. Right. So with that, can you give a brief rundown of where ranked choice voting is in East Hampton now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it passed the Charter Review Committee. Same deal in the full city council. It passed unanimously. We tried to get it for both the single winner and multi-winner races because um, our school committee and some of our uh, at-large and all of our at-large city councilors are are elected using uh, sort of a multi-winner you know, at-large voting system. There was a feeling among some of the people uh, that they wanted to start with single winner and see how that worked and, and then go from there. So it's just going to be, if, if it's approved, it'll only be for the mayor and the precinct uh, city councilors like myself. What The way that uh, you can reform your charter in Massachusetts, there's a couple ways, but the, the strategy that we uh, are going with is to actually petition the state legislature who has the power to amend charters. And so we basically sent a request a petition for a special act of the legislature and that has been filed it's in committee it'll need to get out of committee and voted on in the next couple months for us to be able to put it on the ballot we're feeling fairly good about that one sort of fun fact is uh i actually checked the membership of that committee against voter choice massachusetts's list of elected officials who have endorsed ranked choice voting and it's a little over half of the people on uh, the uh, Joint Committee on Municipalities and Regional Government. A little over half of them are like people who have publicly endorsed ranked choice voting. So I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about it. And then of course the the real question after that is um, is whether the voters would approve the amendment. So uh, on November 5th. If the legislature approves it on November 5th, there there will be a vote about uh, the use of ranked choice voting in elections. And if that passes, then 
it's uh, it's a part of our charter. Pretty exciting. It really is. To take a bit of a left turn, I know one big thing we try to focus on as the resource center is implementation and town clerks and election administrators. Mm -hmm. uh, so what have you done to work with the East Hampton clerk and on ranked choice voting? How have you gotten her involved in this? Yeah, sure. So, so she was involved uh, from the beginning. And actually, uh, I should really give uh, a lot of credit to, to you guys. Um, our clerk is, is amazing. Um, but I think when she first looked at a lot of this, it kind of felt like an unfunded mandate to her, um, where she was going to have to do all the research or, you know, all the work to implement this. And, you know, it's, it's not like she has a huge budget or a huge staff. So understandably she had, um, some concerns about implementing this. Uh, as we went through it, I, I actually don't know whether it would have gotten out of the Charter Review Committee and whether it would have been supported if it hadn't been for uh, you know, the Ranked Choice Voting Research Center sitting down and meeting uh, with Barb, uh, our city clerk, and um, and sort of walking her through what implementation would look like and what actually running an election using RCV would look like and, and helping her to sort of budget out what it would cost to upgrade our voting software to be able to, to actually do this stuff. After all of that, she came back and said, you know, that she still was not 100% sure that this was something that she felt that we needed, but that she did feel that we had the ability to do this if we wanted to. And she felt confident in in the ability uh, of her office to implement this, you know, if, if this was what we wanted to do. And I, I think that that really uh, was essential uh, in getting that first out of the charter review committee and then out of the city council. I don't think the people who are voting on either of those bodies would have necessarily embraced it to the degree that they did if they didn't feel that our local election administrator was able to actually uh, do this. I'll just add that I think it was a great opportunity for me and for Karen to do what we've always wanted to do as the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center when we got put in touch with, with Barb, was to help an administrator understand Ranked Choice Voting better, understand if it made sense for her, for her jurisdiction, and to know, you know, what obstacles laid ahead and to be pretty clear about what needed to get done and, and what we could help with and what resources exist. So it was a great opportunity for us to um, more or less flex our muscles of all the stuff we've learned from doing this work for the last three and a half years. So it was, it was definitely a good opportunity for us to, to get to put all that sort of stuff to work. Yeah, well, we really, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for you guys for, for coming in because, you know, I, I, I know the, the theoretical, like how this works and, and why it's good. But when it comes down to, well, how exactly do you update your optical scanners to be able to feed this information into, you know, these tabulators and, and you know, what does that look like and what <laughs> what's the cost for licensing the software and then like what are the maintenance costs for those licenses and all of that. 
you know, that being able to answer all those, I mean, I don't know how much like time you've spent um, working on sort of local government stuff, but I think on any government level, you know, when somebody, when, when you bring a new idea out, uh, people will just say, oh, sure, that's great, but what's it going to cost? Or how, how do we do this? How do we do that? And I think a lot of the time, um, people don't expect you to have answers to those questions. But when you do, it actually puts you in a really strong position where you can say, that's a great question. Of course, we're very concerned about, you know, making sure this is a, this is something we can afford. And look, it's actually not really going to be that expensive and certainly going to be much less expensive than implementing uh, preliminaries. Right. Having data helps. Yeah, absolutely. Always helpful. Aside from working with uh, or getting your charter revision through the state legislature, what else are you working on between now and November to to get ranked choice voting in East Hampton? Right. So we're currently in the process of forming a uh, ballot committee. Um, and a lot of that is just sort of staffing up right now. Uh, I, there's only just because of the way that Massachusetts law works, like, I, as an elected official, can only I can help out in certain ways, but not every way. So right now it's about, you know, identifying the the people who are most excited in the community and sort of setting them up uh, to actually help uh, with what we figure is going to start as mostly a, a voter education drive. Because in my experience, once people understand ranked choice voting, almost all of them support it. Um, but there's a lot of people who, who still don't know what it is. So, you know, we're hoping to spend a lot of the summer uh, tabling and canvassing public events in the community, uh, holding uh, educational forums throughout the community. Um, we're um, a, we have, for six, we're for a town of 16,000 people, or city of 16,000 people, we have three breweries. We have some of the best tasting water in the country, incidentally. Um, and so we're definitely planning to do some beer elections um, and maybe some, you know, something a little bit more family friendly, I don't know, cookie elections or something like that. But just to get th things to get people uh, out and uh, interacting with uh, the idea of ranked choice voting uh, so that when they go in to vote for mayor or for city council and there's this question on the ballot that they they know what it is and they're they feel comfortable with it uh and then you know later in the fall we'll probably be doing some more targeted uh outreach and get out the vote uh but again you know th that's sort of just a broad strategy and a lot of it's going to depend on uh who ends up ultimately uh, taking this thing and running with it. Right. I mean, I am constantly hearing about beer elections. People seem to really love ranking beer. Well, people like drinking beer, and so <laughs> it's an easy way to get people to things. But I'll say, like, with Voter Choice Mass, uh, I did a beer election uh, in twenty early 2017, and it was kind of at this event that, like, 
I'd say a lot of the people who were there were there to hear other. There was like other speakers there. It's kind of like almost like a local TED talk type thing. Um, and a lot of people there came in without really understanding ranked choice voting at all. And no one uh, filled their ballots out wrong. You know, everyone got it. Um, it's it's one of those things. Actually, um, when we were doing the charter review committee, there was this initial concern among uh, I forget, one or two of the members that they said, like, people are people really going to understand how to do this? And uh, I said, yes, but it was hard to sort of win that argument. There was a little bit of skepticism. So the next time I, I printed out some ballots and I came in and said, hey, guys, these meetings have been running late. So uh, for the next meeting, I would really like to order a pizza for everyone but I just want to know which of these pizza places we should go to. And I handed them out a, a list. Of, it was a ranked choice ballot with seven pizza places on it. And people filled it out. And then I said, was that hard? Was that confusing? It wasn't. You know, people know that they like this place more than this place. But if that place is closed, then maybe they can go to this other one. And, you know, it, it wasn't actually difficult. So I, I've always felt that that's in terms of voter outreach, you know, you can talk about political parties and candidates and whatever, but like people know how to look at a list of things and decide which one is their favorite and which one's their second favorite. Uh, and giving them an opportunity to just do that with, with something that's familiar, I think is a fun way to get people uh, involved. I'll ask one last question. What the November election goes well for ranked choice voting? Um, what do you want next for ranked choice voting in East Hampton? Um, well, I guess the first thing I would want is a uh, smooth and steady and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, positive feeling uh, implementation. I think that that's, that's the most important thing uh, especially, you know, as uh, statewide, there's a big push for this. I feel that, uh, you know, when we saw the implementation come out of Maine and it was it was easy, there weren't really any major hiccups and uh, people understood it and the, the voter education uh, went really well. That made a lot of people breathe easy who were who were supporters of this but were, you know, maybe just wanted to make sure that, that it actually would, would, would go off well. So that's the first thing I want is to see us uh, take this and implement it in a really smooth and effective way. Uh, eventually, I would really love to see us use this for our multi-winner races as well. Um, to be honest, just uh, from the elections that I've observed, uh, a lot of the sort of undesirable behavior or maybe undesirable results that uh, have come out of East Hampton elections have been at the multi-winner elections. Uh, just to give an example, uh, in the last election for the at-large city councilors, there were reports of volunteers who were working for the candidates uh, reaching out to their friends and saying, hey, you know, if you really support this candidate, you'll you'll bullet vote for them. You'll only vote 
for this one candidate and not any of the other candidates because uh you know the way that it worked it's you know it's one of those things where you get to cast like four votes from this whole you know from this list and of course if one of those people ends up neck and neck uh with whoever your second choice would be then you know the nicest thing you could do is is not vote for your first choice is not is to only vote for them does that make sense right yeah yeah so so that um to me that's uh not a kind of behavior that i i really like to see in elections and so i think if we could um if we could get ranked choice voting for our multi-winner elections, uh, then there's no longer an incentive for that sort of bad behavior and sort of behind the scenes uh, scheming that I just don't think has any place in our community. Uh, but that could be a little while off because it would likely require, I mean, unless the state passes um, a pending bill that would make um, that would make ranked choice voting something you could just implement by ordinance. Uh, and if we did do that, then great. If not, we likely wouldn't be able to actually vote on multi-winner until 2021, which would mean that we wouldn't actually see it go into effect until 2023. But, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of uh, my community for keeping an open mind and uh, being willing to, to push forward with what we have. Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks so much for getting on today and we're really looking forward to seeing how things go in November and, and after. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. And again, thank you uh, and, and Karen for, for all your support uh, in this push. And uh, anyone who's listening who is uh trying to get something through like this at a local level like don't like use use the resources that these guys have because it definitely made a world of difference uh you know in, in east hampton thanks so much all right have a great day you too And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Rosemary Blizzard with this month's final round. Did you know that in 2018, Maine earned a unique spot in ranked choice voting history? While numerous states administered RCV statewide back in the early 1900s and then again in North Carolina in 2010, Maine holds the distinction of being the first in the nation to elect a member of the U.S. House by ranked choice voting. Democrat Jared Golden won Maine's second congressional district in an RCV election there in November 2018. Maine ran their 2018 elections on a limited budget and during the 2018 primaries implemented RCV in just 100 days. This accomplishment in election administration makes it this month's final round. Thank you for joining us today for our June RCV clip. We have an exciting update. After we recorded this interview, the Massachusetts Legislature's Joint Committee on Municipal and Regional Government held a hearing on the RCV Charter Amendment. We'll put a link to a news story about the hearing in the show notes for this episode. RCV Clips is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. 
Follow us on Twitter at RCB Resources, on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, and check out our website, rankedchoicevoting.org, for more RCB resources. You can find our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please take some time to subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast, too. Our theme music is Flutterbee by Poddington Bear. Thanks to Tom Peake for joining us today. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes on behalf of Rosemary Blizzard and the rest of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.